Welcome to another episode of My Hope is Built On with your hosts, David and Dan Ziegler, a show about real people with real stories answering the question, what is your hope built on? May this week's episode bring you some hope. Well, welcome back to another episode of My Hope is Built On, and we're really excited today because uh, we have a special guest, uh, Manny Mungare. Uh, Manny is a my cousin. He's <laughs> my... Um, mom's uh, sister's son and um and so uh we know each other obviously well <laughs> uh, even though we've always been pretty distanced apart in terms of uh, location uh, he's always lived in the arizona area pretty much the most of his life and then uh, now he's in colorado but uh i've always lived in the southern california area but we got together for on regular occurrences for a while there but as time travels and we get older, you know, distance takes us apart and, uh, you know, and, and life takes us apart for that matter. And, uh, but I will tell you this much is whenever I get together with my family in Arizona, I feel like we haven't skipped a beat. <laughs> so it's just so exciting. Um, but, uh, um, you know, Manny and I, and David, I'm going to probably just go ahead and start this off, obviously yeah. and get it going. And, this whole thing has been around hope. I know a lot about your story. I don't know everything about your story, you know, but I do I know some of your story. And, uh, you know, the biggest question we've been asking everybody is kind of how do you define hope? And then more, more importantly, what is your hope built on? So go ahead and why don't you first by start off, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living, all that good stuff. And, uh, and then go ahead and answer those questions. Right on. Thanks, Dan. Uh, one thing top on, yeah, we have been distance apart uh, geographically a lot, but yeah. uh, I think uh, we've been pretty close forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very much so. And yeah. uh, no matter how, especially no matter how much time passes. It, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, um, so I'm Manny, Manny Mungare. And uh, yeah, right now I live in Colorado. Uh, I sell cement for a living. That's <laughs> what the concrete background. Yeah, um, I have. Uh, there's a difference. Concrete is the hard stuff. Cements the powder. Ah, so, right on. so we just learned something today. There you go. <laughs> uh, concrete. What? Concrete's the cake. Cement is the flour. It there you go. Right on. That's it. It's about <laughs> simple. But no, I've been selling cement. I've been in the industry for about 15 years. So. Prior to that, I was a jet mechanic and uh, civilian for that helicopter mechanic and uh, jet mechanic in both the Navy and the Army. Uh, but now uh, live here in Colorado Springs, been here for about six years, going on six years now. Yeah. Um, love it. It's amazing. Pretty actively involved in our church here and our high schools and um, Middle school, elementary school, all our schools here, and, and the community pretty tiny, but um, yeah. So, well, you're also a beast in the gym, though. I gotta say that we live, we live quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right yeah. Actually, I think it's kind of it's on the border of possible insanity, but hey, listen, that's all right. <laughs> it is. It's, um, it's a little nice level. I've, uh, found the more I challenge myself, the more I find there's more in the tank. Yeah, I, I have not pushed myself enough yet. So 
Yeah. That's awesome. I like the challenge of trying to see how far I can take it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very cool. So what yeah. do you think? What do you, what do you, what do you think about hope and what it means? And then, uh, you know, kind of what is your hope built on? Yeah. I really appreciate the approach you guys have taken, um, to this podcast. I know, um, a lot of you guys know that now my, my hope, um, I think my hope, a lot of it in my past, when I started thinking about my past was, what hope was more what gave me the desire to live another day, mm -hmm. um, to continue on one more day. What's the point? Yeah. You know, where's my hope is, where's, what's the point in doing anything? And uh, that drive to get me to the next day. Um, I'm pretty adamant about being a hardcore Jesus freak. I am. That's, that's <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Um, that's not always been the case in my life. Sure. And uh, a lot of situations I found myself in, um, I didn't have that anchor for myself. Um, so I had to find hope in other things. And so when I think about hope, a lot of it was, you know, just what is my faith that I'm going to get through this situation? What is the my hope is that this isn't always going to be this, uh, wherever I'm at, that situation I'm in, it's not always going to stay the same. My hope is that this will always get better. Yeah. And so where do I find that hope? That's been the crazy thing. <laughs> it's yeah. been a little bit rocky. Um, like, you know, Dan and um, it's well known. My parents got divorced at a young age. My dad was pretty uh, severe alcoholic, and uh, drugs were in, involved, and it was pretty rough in the childhood spot. Yeah. Um, I got blessed to go live with him when everybody else wanted to go live with mom, so it was kind of frustrating, and uh, I learned some of those resentments and stuff happened back then, and a lot of, during that time period, I also remember and this is some of the reasons that uh, my faith got challenged was we would go to church. My parents would have us go to church, but then also at the home, the alcohol and everything else involved would count, contradict everything that was happening at the church. And so there was, um, I, I think I lost hope and my faith helping anything out. Uh, a lot of that stuff crashed at a young age. And that caused me to lose a lot of hope. And so at a younger age, I started, um, you know, I swore I never would. I didn't want to end up loving that. I started finding uh, a lot of my, I would say my hope would be based in my community, my friends. Yeah. And um, alcohol, really. A lot of it started very young, started drinking young. And so it'd be going to parties, chasing girls, or uh, hanging with my friends. Mm. And that's where everything was in. It was like, that's what's going to make my life better. And so it's my hope, like this situation that I'm in is not cool right now. What's going to make it better is this next party I go to. Yeah. What's going to make it better is the next girl I, I get with. What's going to make it better is the next um, you know, time we go hanging out and doing something else. 
And it was like every escape I could find was where I found my hope. So my hope that I had established at a young age was an escape. Mm. And um, then I just started learning as I grew, there's more ways to escape. Yeah. Things to escape was where my hope was based in. And um, just starting to chase those escapes. So it, it, it morphed, changed. Yeah. And I found in different situations, I would find uh, like, okay, now I'm in high school, it's getting worse. I got, you know, drug addiction coming in to play on top of the alcohol, getting in trouble with the law. Um, multiple things are stacking up now. So as I chased all these other escapes, I found other problems. Yeah. <laughs> I need more hope to get out of that. I need something yeah. to get to that one. So now what's the next thing I'm going to get? And I was blessed to have the military intervene. And mm. that, that was a huge one for me, and it helped me a long time. Um, one of the things that, that I never addressed, I never addressed a lot of those different issues that I wanted to escape from. Right. And, and move to the next thing from. So they were all still hanging back there. But as I moved on to different things, I would help move from this position to the next. So, you know, overcoming drug addiction early in high school was really awesome. You know, yeah. I go into the military and clean, all that, but the alcohol was a big thing in the military. So yeah. I didn't get away from that. But I did have a lot of people that I could depend on and rely on pretty heavily. And they carried me through a lot, like a lot of different situations. You found a brotherhood of people that would just step up when you didn't expect them to step up. People that you didn't think would be there were there. Um, totally different backgrounds. Total different. I mean, every walk of life, every color skin, I mean, skin color really didn't matter at all. Didn't matter what your accent was, what your hair was like, or what part of the country you're from, or yeah. if you were poor, if you were loaded, if you had a car, if you didn't, if you didn't have a car, someone's car would give you their car. Yeah. It's just crazy how it was like an instant brotherhood then. Everybody would lean on each other and support each other and have each other. It was really cool. Some it was that level of acceptance. It was kind of at a next tier that I hadn't really seen. Mm. That was something that I learned at that time that I really wanted to rely. I put a lot of my hope in was in other people. Mm. And um, it didn't always work out well for me, though. Because I forget that people are people, and they're going to let you down sometimes, too. So we still have those issues. Sure. And so moving on, fast forward a lot. I got out of the Navy in 2000. In 2000, I was a jet mechanic working at Sky Harbor Airport. And uh, at that time, on September 11th, and the towers get attacked. And uh, I remember driving home that morning, hearing it, watching it on the news when I got home. Um, that level of fear and anger just shot through the roof. Yeah. I wanted to go back in the military. I couldn't go right back in the Navy, so I went Army and went Army Guard right there in Phoenix. And got attached to a, a helicopter division right there. Mm. And, you know, two years later, I had the opportunity to go to Afghanistan and uh, attach the 10th Mountain and go serve over there for a while. Um, that was another one where I went back and found that family again because I'd gotten out of the Navy. 
I had some of my friends here, but it didn't seem like the same. Um, the loyalty level, that deep devotion to each other that we had from the military, I felt like I lost that. I was kind of wandering a lot, found my drinking going back up again. And uh, as I would go through these peaks and valleys, sometimes I'd drink and back it off, and drink a lot more and back it off, drink more and back it off. And, um, so going back into Afghanistan, when I got back from Afghanistan is when the drinking really took off again. Um, it's another level of camaraderie that you have with people when, you know, life's on the line. It's, you know, like when I was in the Navy, it was kind of peacetime military. Yeah. In combat military, it's a whole different level. Yeah, it <laughs> so it's a level of dependency on each other that's a lot higher. And then you don't really get that back in as you move back into civilian life. I struggled with that again. I felt alone again on my own. And I found my dependency going back to the bottle. Mm. And uh, that turned out pretty bad. I, I got extremely, um, became extreme alcohol to heavy levels. Right. I didn't even think it was possible to be that much of an alcohol. Um, over a fifth of uh, Canadian whiskey a day wow. and buy on top of that. It was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And I was about, by the time I quit, I was up to over a fifth, at least. Eight. It was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. But um, getting me to that point is when I saw the dynamics of where my hope life start to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I started coming back to church with my wife. At first, I didn't want to. She started going to church, and I told her they even asked me I was going to leave which probably would have been good for them. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a terrible threat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, um, six months after she started going to church, I decided I'd go give it a try. Um, I remember that day I told her, I said, hey, I'm going to go with you to church. And the kids all heard me and they're like, what? <laughs> and they were like running to my drawers, like grabbing clothes and throwing them out front of me. And they're like, don't get in his way. Don't stop him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of cool. Like they even knew there was some, and I completely lost hope. I'd become um, very suicidal. Mm-hmm. I attempted suicide a couple times and um, it was tough, man. I got really bad, really dark, extremely depressed. And I had lost hope. I had no more hope. Everything I had leaned into um, that I thought was my base, my acres were, were falling apart and they were not holding. Um, you know, the partying wasn't enough. The hanging out with friends wasn't enough. The, you know, any kind of drug wasn't enough. There wasn't anything enough. There wasn't enough alcohol to fill the holes. And when the hopelessness is that sets in, it's just, it's so scary. And, um, you know, I stopped reaching out. And that's the, one of the things I did bad was stop reaching out mm-hmm. and stop asking. And I tried to hide the fact that I needed help because all along throughout my life, and especially when I look back, it's kind of the cool thing is like when you talk about hope and faith, it's like my faith is rooted on my experiences. My hope is what I get to look forward to, but my faith is based on my experiences. So when I look back, it's like, who was always there? It's like, my family was always there. 
Yeah. They care less what I do. They yeah. care less that I was an alcoholic. They don't they made it? Don't shoot yourself, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, dude, I got you. I don't care what you look like. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, one of the ones that's all time that's always been like is, you know, even from young age, when I'm young, had tattoos, earrings, everybody was like, oh my lord. I mean, I'm talking 13. <laughs> yeah. and then i got kevin over there was like hey dude love you no matter what i don't yeah. care what you look like <laughs> whatever dude <laughs> and i had that i had my sister i had uh friends that were there my military friends really were there but a lot of it i had fear of admitting that i had failed at getting past a lot of this stuff mm. Mm. i had so much fear to reach out and fear of rejection, fear of, um, of just being a failure, sure. of not being man enough, being strong enough. Here I am, I've been in two different militaries, I've been in war, I've done all this stuff, I'm a big guy, you know, mix, I lift lots of weights, <laughs> swing things. <laughs> I have this big machismo that I have, that I have to carry forward but I'm also scared to death and I was scared to death to even say anything, but I'm scared mm. to death. Yeah. And for me, I lost hope so much that I'd rather die than ask for help, mm. which is the craziest thing. Now, when I look back, I you know, retroactively, I can say, dude, that's nuts. But yeah. if somebody's going through that right now, I get it. Yeah. I was in that spot. What's the point? What's, and you get that, what's the point? And you realize, man, I'm hopeless. Hopelessness is, is the scariest place ever. Yeah. And um, it was able, I was able when I started going to church to start, help me just shift my focus, shift my, my, my direction of where I'm looking. Yeah. And um, changing my view. So sometimes we're just sitting right there looking at this one little, um, like if you look at your lawn, big giant lawn looks gorgeous and stuff but you can be out there working on your yard and you can see that one hole in the yard you're so focused on that one little hole and you're like looking down in it you're down on your knees and you're digging it like you're seeing where it's like kind of grass is rotting out and nothing will grow right there and i'm so mad about that one spot right there yeah but then if i go inside and i go upstairs and i look out my window i see this big massive green grass i can't even see that that hole right there that needs right. to patch yeah. like wow that looks gorgeous it's amazing yeah. Sometimes I just needed to change the view that I'm looking at the same problems, but yeah. it was pretty awesome. Yeah. So after coming to Christ, I started remembering a lot of my youth growing up, uh, reading more on the Bible and putting my faith in this grace that was extended to me. <laughs> and with everything that had happened in my life and stuff, there was nothing that could give me hope without that grace. I didn't have that grace. There's no. I'm still hopeless. So I needed that that grace that's offered by Christ that gave me that hope that I can be different. Yeah. And then I read this story about this dude named Paul. (laughs) (laughs) He was bad. (laughs) He was mean, and he reminded me a lot of me. I was like this guy that hated people that would talk about Christ, hated Christians, hated people to go to church. Because yeah. they were the same people that hurt me when I was young, right? Yeah. They were the same ones that lied to me. They were the same ones that let me down. And I had to get past the point that these are faulty people that are faulty just like me. 
They're broken just like me. Yeah. And that the church isn't this like um, room for the saints. Yeah. It's like a hospital for the broken. Yeah. And so you're going to get a lot of broken people doing broken stuff. And they're not all going to be on point all the time. Because right. your faith gets put into a person and it's my, it wasn't put in Christ. It, I was directing it to different places. Right. Well, some of the stuff that helped me redirect my thinking on that. Yeah. And my hope was somewhere else. And then reading that story is what helped me with Paul changing. This is the guy that go around and killing Christians. Yeah. And God turned him. And he ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Yeah. Right? And um, his whole thing flipped. And how does this guy who was this mean beast going around clubbing people to flip to telling you a hope, the most beautiful written letter about love is mm-hmm. to such a perfectly written love letter that everybody uses it in their weddings. Like yeah. everybody around the world uses this document to read at their wedding. Yeah. And I was like, that just blew me away that something like that could happen. And if that gave me hope, that story gave me hope that there might be hope for men. Yeah. And yeah. I went from a guy that would get in, you know, fight weekly and to like asking people like, and I had to start reaching out and asking for help. Mm. And I remember calling my dad and asking, so you've been doing this Christian thing for a minute. Like, when did you stop hitting people? Yeah. <laughs> like, how, do you, how do you not hit someone when they say something to you? Like, he's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm thinking, well, didn't you used to hit people too? <laughs> yeah. It's funny now because when I'm asking my dad this question, he's 70. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He's so like, he, I haven't hit anybody in a while. He hasn't hit anybody in a while. <laughs> in my mind, I'm still uh, back into this other time. Yeah. And, uh, I just couldn't understand it. So it was really neat to have those opportunities to reach out. And, but then after being a Christian for a while, there was a time when I started realizing, I was like, the, the alcohol started coming back in. Hmm. There's more of the drinking started coming back in. I was, you know, here I'm going to be with clients or different excuses I used. Um, was for work because I'm in sales. I need to take clients out drinking. That's what we do. So yeah. let's go drinking. Yeah. Um, so as it petered off, I watched it. We moved to Arizona to Colorado. I got a great job, nice house, that stuff. Everything's coming back. But I found myself on that same pattern. Yeah. And um, they saw it was out of control again. Hmm. And it got. There was one day I'm at church, and I'm like, man, I'm not turning into that thing I hated when I was a kid. Yeah. Takes kids to church and goes home and gets drunk. Hmm. Like, wow, I've seen this story before and I don't like it. Yeah. And I remember hearing uh, the pastor ask about, you know, what's that one thing that's stopping you from having a relationship with God? Hmm. And it was something that really sat in with me that caught me. It was like, I was a fan of Christ, but I wasn't a follower of Christ. Yeah. So like, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God and I like going to church and I like the changes that we're making, but you know, only up until I was cool with, you know, I'll make changes just up to my area, you know. Yeah. And but we don't need to change this or that. I'm still kind of like this guy. 
But um, hey, he just made that comment one day, and I went home, started doing my expenses, and I saw I was behind. So it gave me a good snapshot as I'm going through a spreadsheet, looking at all the different expenses. I'm like, wow, man, there's some days that I started off with a client, and then it went. We went to another place and another place and another. So that wasn't business anymore. Yeah, I got really convicted. So I highlighted all the stuff that I didn't feel was, even though I was with clients doing business business with clients, I don't feel it was contributing to the business. Hmm. So I had to call myself out on it. It was quite a, quite a bit of money. Yeah. And uh, the next day, I didn't tell my wife, but I decided to drive up to the office and. That's my boss. If I could talk to him, I show him the spreadsheet. Said, "Hey, I um, these aren't these aren't valid. Here's a check. I want to pay for these. And by the way, I need to quit." Mm-hmm. Like, what? I can't do this job, man. I gotta quit drinking. I need help. Like, I'm bad. I never told anybody that. I knew for years that I needed help. I hear people talk about it, and I was like, "Man, I need help." To myself. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I needed help when I was going to sleep with a gun in my mouth. Hmm. It was, I needed help. Yeah. That's a really bad place. Yeah. But I couldn't ask anybody for help. I still couldn't bring myself, even at that lowest point in my life, I couldn't bring myself to asking for help. Until it was just that one moment I just said, I'm going to go and I'm going to take this on myself. I'm just going to go get help. But I can't be a salesman anymore. I need to quit. And uh, when I told them, I said, I need to quit because I can't drink anymore. Like, not even one. I need to be done. I've tried to cut them back. It doesn't work. And his puzzled look on his face was like, what are you talking about? You don't have to drink to do this job. Who said that? (laughs) Pretty much everybody in my career, I thought, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. And I never, he said, Manny, if anybody doesn't want to buy cement from us because you won't take them drinking, just let me know who it is and we'll write them off. We don't need to do business with people like that. Yeah. What? He's like, yeah, let's get you some help. What kind of help? Let's, hey, we got some resources here and we got this now. What do you need to do? And we'll make it happen. Wow. He thought we can start fresh. Uh, with this stuff, and I said, I need to make this real, so let's make these expenses real. And then I was, he said, Okay, let's start getting help. And I left the office, and so I'm gonna head back. It's like an hour drive from my office here. And so I'm driving back. I remember I made the call, and I called my dad. So now, after my dad had been a lifelong alcoholic, drugs, and everything, he, I'd watched him for years be sober. He'd go to church. And I was waiting for him to come and tell me I need to quit drinking. I was waiting for him to come and preach to me at the house. I was waiting for him to tell me, you know, what I need to do. He didn't. And, and when he saw me, even in my worst times, he'd like bring us food down to fill our, our pantry. Hmm. So, you know, love you, son. I'm praying for you. If you need anything, let me know. And yeah. He'd leave. Yeah. Wouldn't say nothing. This one up for you. I was waiting for him because I wanted to have the argument. You know, I wanted to have that fight. And he didn't, never. And he just showed me something. And I, I witnessed something in him, and I just didn't understand what it was. Because I got to watch my dad, who was, you know, is the, the, it's pretty uh, common story with people that are alcoholics. They're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. 
and you see a really nice guy, but then you'd also see the monster. And I got to witness that guy his whole life and go from that to being just this gentle creature that I never, I couldn't figure it out. It just blew me away. I don't understand. It's reminded me a lot of how Paul changed. Hmm. And so I watched this transformation in this guy and I waited for years. And then eventually I was just like, okay, I want what this guy's got. Hmm. So I called him up and I was driving home and I asked to say, dad, I'm not all up here. I need help. He's like, all right. <laughs> go down here to this. Tell me to go to this uh, regional meeting at the AA. And so go in there, find a meeting, and go to a meeting and give me a call. So I remember going, even going down to that regional office, and I parked in the parking lot, and I was like, sat there for like a half hour. Man, I really blew it. I shouldn't have said nothing to anybody. I don't know. I want to really quit. Um, I could really use a drink. And then he's, uh, I called him up. I said, yeah, dad, the parking lot's empty. I don't think there's anybody here. <laughs> You know, knock on the door? I know. <laughs> go check the door. And I went, there was someone in there. And they told me where to go to a meeting. I went to a meeting. Um, and also on that way, I called my wife and I told her. And it was funny when she's like, are you sure? <laughs> Please. You don't want to quench? Oh, no. I just don't. You said that a lot. I'm not sure if you're in it or not. It's really what you want to do. I was like, yeah, I did. I called my dad and asked for help. She said, wow, that was bad. Yeah. So I went to a meeting, then a meeting every day, and then I called my dad after. And then um, we had a small group at our church that I went and opened up to them at the same time. Told them. They all thought it was funny when we were introducing ourselves to our small group. And um, everyone saying kind of what they wanted to get out of this small group this time around. And, um you know, some people are like, I want to get into the word more. I want to, you know, get closer in our relationship with my wife. And uh, I'm like, mm-hmm. Manny, I'm an alcoholic. And uh, <laughs> they all started laughing. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't laugh. <laughs> and uh, they knew it was real. I was like, well, it was the first time I had openly told people that yeah. I'm an alcoholic. And I need help. And uh, so that was just that four and a half years ago right now. Wow. Um, that's amazing. April 23rd was four and a half years. Um, Congratulations. That's yeah. Great. Since then, it's been pretty rad. <laughs> right and um, I've been able to, by asking for help, I got friends to help me in, in a program. And also, my faith helped me out a lot. I had... Yeah. And um, he tried to hide a lot of this from. I found when I asked for help and was wide open on it, that humility brought so much support that it was ridiculous. It's unfathomable how many people will run to help you when you want help. Yeah, There's so many people that are willing to help you and stand by you when you ask. Hmm. And... Um, Getting past shame point was pretty happy. And there's community that helped that. And so when I was thinking hope was, where is my hope? It's in Christ. My hope's in God. Because yeah. I've seen what has moved in other people. And it's God and 
But it's like humanity. It's crazy when people say they lost faith in humanity or they lost hope in humanity. There's so much beauty in humanity. Yeah. I mean, even I have a friend who's an atheist who just loves me to death and <laughs> will take me to the airport at the drop of a hat if I was struggling with thinking about drinking. He would drive 45 minutes across town at 11 o'clock at night to sit down with me and talk to me. Yeah. It was, there's these people that do things that are just so amazing. Guys that were um, a friend of mine who was sleeping underneath bushes in the park and uh, in 16 degree weather and coming in shivering to make coffee for the guys in the room till he could try to get out of the street and get his place and all this stuff and come up. And I've watched this guy go from living in bushes to having his own apartment. Watched another guy that was on meth and alcohol, drinking a bottle of vodka a day and doing meth to being clean now. And wow. he speaks out at other different LGBTQ things. And he helps other people, community get so come out and yeah. overcome their, their pains. And it's this love that you see that people have and the willingness to help one, willing to be whole enough to ask for help. And they have another faction of people that are humble enough to serve anyone. It's the most beautiful thing that I get to have witnessed. And so I've seen God move in my life. I've seen him move in so many other people's lives. And that miracle that I've seen happen so many times is what made that anchor heavier. That grinds me in heavier and deeper into my faith. Because it's that retroactive, when I look back, I've seen them always there. Yeah. I've seen those people always there. I've seen my family always there. No matter what, if I had money or if I was broke. Yeah. Well, I don't know, Lizzie. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's always there. It's always been there. Um, there's always been those people there, even the ones that I hid from. Yeah. And they were always there. Um. I've seen just the miracles happen along the way. And that's where my faith is when I look in the past to see that it's just solidified my faith. Yeah. And I found that when I was hopeless, it's usually when I'm looking into the future, I had a problem that I'm in right now. I'm looking in the future on how it's going to be so bad. Yeah. When I found throughout my track record, and I don't know why we always do that. It's like, when I go into the future, it's not going to be good. But when I look in the past, I made it through all right. Yeah. But I never take that track record with me into the future. Yeah. And I always look in the past as God was with me the whole time. And it reminds me of that footprints in the sand home. Yeah. You walk along and he was always there. Like, yeah. whoa. Okay. That's why I remember when I look back, but when I'm facing a problem, I'm looking into the future for some reason I'm taking with me. Mm. It's the first case scenario and it's downhill. And it's that whole perspective thing. If I can help change my view what I'm looking at, and I usually need a friend to help me with that. Yeah. Almost always. I just need someone to say, hey Manny, remember that time you were lost your job, about to lose your house again, you're about to get evicted. Where are you at now? Like, are you okay? Yeah. You're gonna be okay too. This is gonna be okay too. Yeah. And I still need that. Like today, I'm, you know, four and a half years sober. I've been following Christ for six years. Uh, 
completely flipped a lot of the stuff in my life around. Um, and sometimes I can still have bad days. I can still go fall off, but and I need those other people to help me. That's the, to remind me of that. Yeah. It's pretty rad. Amazing. You know, Manny, and I don't, I, I could just said, listen to you, tell your story for forever, man. And I, and I appreciate your honesty and your candor and everything that you're saying. And I know you say it, Manny, because you know, there's somebody else out there that needs to hear it. And I know that's what's at the bottom of all of this in your heart. But, you know, one of the things as I was listening to what you're saying, um, and I don't want anybody to ever think, and you've kind of shared this even in, in your story, is that even though we put our hope in Christ, it's not like this magic wand that all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> everything's all hunky-dory, we're better, we're on it. And you really shared that, you know, it was like, hey, I showed up to church, I was still getting drunk, you know, after church, you know, it was like, it's not like it just, and you're still a work in process, right? Yeah, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I think that that's what's amazing. I don't like anybody to ever think that, oh, we're just saying establish Jesus as your foundation and everything goes away. It doesn't. No. <laughs> right? That's a great point, brother. And to that point, this was hanging on my heart, so it's amazing that you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, after following Christ, after getting sober, sober for a year and a half, uh, I go to my son's game. I'm getting ready to go to my son's game. He tells my wife he doesn't want me coming to his practices or his games. Mm. What? You don't make him. You make him nervous. He doesn't feel comfortable with you there. Like, well, real. I, I've been doing the stuff, man. And one of the things that I point out is that when I came to Christ. Just like you said, it wasn't like I said a prayer and everything turned around. My credit score jumped. You know, I got a new paint on the house. My car dents were fixed. My wife was like making cakes for me every night when I walked in and they threw balloons and streamers because I wasn't sober or I wasn't drinking. It was, it wasn't like that, you know? Yeah. Yes. That's your foundation. That's your base. This is where I'm going to start. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's time to go to work. Yeah. I had to do work. I had to do work. Yeah. It was um, a lot of people ask me too about why I get up so early in the morning to lift weights. Right. There were some days I had to put myself to bed at five o'clock at night because I couldn't handle going from five to eight without drinking. There was, the itches would come up, so it's I get agitated or whatever. So I'd go to bed. Yeah, you go to bed at five or six o'clock at night. Yeah, you yeah. wake up at two, three in the morning. So what else are you gonna do? There's nothing really going on, so I go to the gym. Yeah. And that helped me out a lot. That was part of my process. That's uh, one of those things is like one of those, that's just a small step that I'd have to do. Different yeah. little things all the time. I had to learn to shut up. Mm. I had to learn to keep my opinion to myself. Everybody else didn't want it. Like, not everybody subscribed to it. They didn't yeah. want to hear what I thought about every situation, <laughs> everything in their <laughs> lives. I had to learn to stay in my own lane. I had to learn that mm. I wasn't in control of everything. Um, that everybody's, I can't even control my kids. And then, you know, <laughs> kids are going to be their kids. It is what it is. We think we can control them. We can manipulate certain things because we have control of the purse strings. We can control the Wi-Fi. Yeah. 
control how much money you're going to get or what we're going to spend on this or whatever, but I'm not going to control your heart or your, your intentions on things or any of that. I can't control that stuff. I can only control how I react to people, places, and things. And that was something that the program taught me a lot. And it also backed up with a lot of biblical teachings. Now, this is stuff that I worked on hmm. every day, years. I would go to a meeting at 5 o'clock every morning. I'd make coffee. I'd have to go do service. I had to ask guys to help me. I had a team of guys that would come together to help me and a sponsor that I'm still best friends with today. Yeah. Would talk to me about every single situation I'm going through, everything I'm thinking of, um, all these different situations that I have to go through and evolve through. Life was still happening. When I quit drinking, my credit was in the tank. I had creditors calling me all the time. I had a car repossessed. I was about to lose my job. I had to struggle to regain trust with my boss. I had to struggle to regain trust with my clients. I had to struggle to retain, uh, regain trust with my family. I'm working through paying off creditors, owning up to some of my stuff. It's really hard to start learning that a lot of the things that happened in my life, I had created myself. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn to process this stuff. I had to battle depression through the process. I had to ask for my medical. My health was in terrible shape. I was over 357 pounds. It was just massive. My liver was hardening up. You know, I'm in my 30s and I'm like, got the body of a 80 year old. It's just yeah. really bad stuff that I've done. And so there's a lot of steps, a lot of work that I had. Yeah. And I, back to my son, a year and a half. And he doesn't go to his football games. It hurt me. God, I love my kid. Yeah. My kid playing football. He's playing my position. Oh, so <laughs> I'm all excited. And uh, he didn't want me there. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the point of me doing all this work? Point. Mm. And I found myself again. Stay out. I should just quit. What's the point of even living? I'm done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done everything. I'm doing all the work, God. Here we are. Not only did I say the prayer, but I'm putting in work, man. Every day, I'm writing journal stuff down. I'm addressing people that I had wrong. I'm, it's so hard to go up against, tell somebody that you screwed them over, you hurt them, and own it, and ask how I can make an amends to it. How can I fix this? Or if not, just... Don't ever talk to me. There's a lot of stuff that some people accepted it. Some people didn't. It's hard. It hurts. It's some really tough stuff to go through. So like I say, there's a lot of work the process that goes through that. And then getting these blows, they still come. Things happen. Um, and uh, I remember instead of going back to the suicidal ways as those thoughts came in, I called a friend. Yeah. And it was like my lowest time. I'm like, dude, what's the point of doing all this, man? And it was just kind of like, hey, man, some, some, you spend a whole lifetime hurting people. A year and a half is pretty small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even now, like four and a half years is nothing compared yeah. to the years that I spent um, doing other things the wrong way. Yeah. So I got to learn to be patient. And it was one of the coolest things ever that happened to me. See? Once again, I was thinking that was like my most hopeless point where I'm about to go commit suicide again. It's like, what's the point? My family don't want me around no more. After doing all the work, I'm done. Yeah. But looking back now, 
I respected him and I stood back and I didn't go to his games. I didn't mention anything of it. I became a cheerleader, sat back. Good job, bud. Then be quiet. Yeah. To shut up. And it was amazing that I don't believe at the time I had respected the gift that I was given of my child, spend time with my child, that my child wanted me there. That gift, I hadn't respected it enough at that time. I still felt that it was, I was entitled to it. And I wasn't treating our relationship the way it should be treated. And I didn't respect our relationship enough to where I needed to have that pause so I could learn that it was, the, it was that important to me and that I needed to honor that. Yeah. And um, Dutch led me, so is they in that hopeless point to being a point of like, wow, that was retrospectively, looking back, wow, maybe God put a pause in there for me for a minute to help both him heal. Maybe he was trying to help my son heal. Hmm. And I needed to be paused out of it. It wasn't about Manny that day. Yeah. It was about my son. And that maybe you can just chill out, Manny, and yeah. wait, wait your turn. And it was given to me. It was one of the most beautiful gifts I was ever given. I went to San Diego. Um, we're going on vacation. We get to this house. It's a two-day trip here. We get out there, driving forever. Uh, we get to this house right there on the beach. Ocean. You feel the breeze. It's like, yeah. Let's go to the beach. He said, no, let's watch it be, Dad. I'm like, what? This guy doesn't drive in how many hours? <sighs> okay. <laughs> Go in my room here. There's this big giant TV in our room, dude. It's like a 60 inch TV on this dresser. Gorgeous. Yeah. So no, let's watch it on the iPad. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Why would we use that big giant TV in here? Exactly. Okay. So funny. we sit down there to watch it. Oh, what are we watching? He says, uh, You want to watch this? And he puts on, I can only imagine. Hmm. Not, and I, I can only imagine is a story of uh, a Christian singer whose father was abusive and uh, he learned to forgive him and saw how Christ changed him. So in this movie, at the one point, we're sitting there watching it on the bed. And I'm like, whoa, this is pretty cool. This is, mm-hmm. there's something going on here. It's pretty intense. So we're, we're sitting there watching it and it gets to the point where Bart's describing his story. He says, um, I watched God take my dad, who was a monster. And that's the only thing way I can describe him, was a monster. And I watched God take that monster and turn him into a beautiful man who loved Christ and the guy I wanted to be and my best friend. Mm-hmm. And he stopped right there and he looks over at me, he smiled and he nodded down at the, at the screen. And I was like, wow. whoa. So it was like a year and a half of getting sober, another eight months of shutting up and not doing what I wanted to say or airing out my grievances and all that stuff. Trudging through some of that stuff gave me the respect enough to where I was like, okay, I was blessed with something that was super heavy there that I could have blew up really easy by going and pushing my way. Hey, you guys didn't do this. So it was like one of those other situations that I saw where my hopelessness turned into being one of the strongest foundations that I knew. It grew my faith even more. Yeah, yeah. And I could watch this miracle of a torn relationship in my family from uh, being a terrible dad and this kid, my kids say, he wants to be like 
and that he loved him. I'm his friend. I'm his best. Friend. He wants to be like me now. Yeah. That it was looking back now, in that hopeless moment, was building up to be one of the greatest things ever to happen in my life. And it just rooted my faith even stronger, harder, built such a big rock that. So I said, if he can do that with me, if he can do that with my son, if he can do that with us and our family, um, he can do that with anybody. Yeah. And that hope is that, and I like to share my stuff. That's why I'm wide open about it. That's why I'm unashamed at all, 1,000%. You can call me whatever you want. I'll just be real. But I've never been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of transformation. It's the power that saves families. It is that. Yeah. And it's the work that you put in with it to yeah. get there. So I thank you so much for qualifying that because there's work to put in to it. It's not just a magic wand. Yeah. You do everything. You still got to, and you're still going to have hard times in life. Hard yeah. stuff's still going to happen. Yeah. But I have a faith that's going to help carry me through it next time. And those experiences that I've seen, how he's helped me, I've also been able to see it in other people. I've been able to share my story with other friends. I have friends in the military, those guys that always had my back. The guys, same guys reach out to me when they were struggling. They were suicidal. Mm. I'm talking with them. They were drunk. They were trying to get sober. I've seen, I get to see one of my friends, multiple, but one of them was just amazing. He was leaving his family when he called me. He was walking out the door, and I got to see his thing turned around, saying, they all together. They go to the beach together. It's, it's all cool. So I get to see these now because I'm so about what I have in my life and I share with people. But I'm able to get a front row view to see how it can get better. Mm. And that's where those experiences that I've seen, I've seen those transformations in people's lives. So that's now where my, all my hope comes from is the miracles that I've got to witness. Yep. And that's the found, founded my faith. Going back makes it even harder. But that's when I was like, no, and I share my hope. So that's why, like I say, I, experience, I share my experience, my strength, and my hope with everybody. Yeah. So, no, that's so cool. You have hope that you can get out of it too. Yeah. No, yeah. that's so good. Yeah. David, did anything come to your mind while he was talking? Well, yeah, you, uh, you were saying something a little bit like it's about putting in work and things like that. And, um, you know, and I, and I've reached out to you on, on Facebook, obviously, like you said, we don't live in the same area, but man, I've just seen, um, I, all your posts and things like that. And I just absolutely love it. I mean, even you haven't added that you are a foster parent too. That's a thing, which is awesome. I mean, I've seen like just the post that you share is just, a. it really is a, it's a message of hope. You, you recognize that I, I am a sinner in need of a savior every day. It wasn't just then it, it's every single day. But one of the things that you keep saying that it does require work. And I think oftentimes that we forget as believers that we look at Jesus and we, we love all the little, like the little things of all the words of Jesus, but we forget about the actions of Jesus and it requires work and it requires a daily practice that we are, you know, I, I think it's, um, I believe it's Dallas Willard who, who says, uh, to be an apprentice under, under Jesus or we're apprentices of Jesus. And I love that because that's exactly what we are. We're learning under Jesus Christ. And that is who we are to be more like. And I, I will say, I love that you have that perspective because you do recognize that I want to be more like him. 
Yeah. And, and I, I'm so encouraged by that. And I know there's going to be plenty of other people who listen to this and hear your story may recognize that, oh, I'm in a similar situation or uh, maybe it's not with alcohol or maybe it's not with uh, anything like that, but maybe it's with something else and that they're just, they're really, they, they need some hope and they can find that in Jesus. And they, and because it, it it's true, God works and he's, he's, you recognize now that he's had a hand in your life, whether or not like it was this, you know, like a burning bush for Moses. It wasn't like that. You can recognize how it was friends. It was family. And you see all these little moments where he was. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, thank you so much for sharing your story because man, I'm so encouraged by it. And I'm encouraged by the hope that, that you have and the life that you live. And again, your, your post, I, I love it. I tell my wife all the time. I mean, just as you know, you, you're so open with where you were mm-hmm. and to see where you are now. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, a testament to who God is and yeah. how he, how he can change lives. Yeah. And so thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Now, one of the biggest things too with this is if you mentioned the foster parenting, um, that's one of the most beautiful gifts we've been given. Hardest job I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's the most beautiful gift I've ever been given. And it is um, like you, you have to do the work that Christ did and Christ served. And you have to serve. Yeah. No matter how far along you get in life or how successful you get, serving others is the only way to keep carrying on. It's, yeah. it's getting out of the, and it changes that when you want that you change. A lot of people make fun of me. I do, I do some weird things. <laughs> <laughs> you might find me at five thirty in the morning picking up trash in the Walmart parking lot and parking shopping carts hmm. back in their place, or you might find me picking up trash in the, in the high school parking lot or whatever. Yeah, it's as. It's it's what you call selfishly being selfless. You want you're gonna help somebody else, but it's really to help me change my mindset, change my viewpoint, and redirect my thinking. Yeah. And most of the times when I have a hard time with anything, I have to redirect my thinking. Mm-hmm. And doing that, serving others is the greatest way to do it. You'll find helping other people, especially when you're not getting rewarded for it or anybody's noticing it or something. Yeah. It changes just my perspective on everything. It helps me redirect my thinking from being all about Manny, Manny's problem to somebody else's problem. Helping somebody else somewhere else gets me out of me and helps me help somebody else. It's amazing. Helping somebody else helps you more than anything. Yeah. And the foster care is really heavy with that. And we do that. And it's serving other families. And it's hard to serve other families, especially when they're not always nice to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that... It's not even there's no gratitude. It's there's just not like, but we got the witness. We had some girls with us, um, mm-hmm. three, three siblings, and uh, they were with us for over a year, mm-hmm. and we got to see them go home, yeah, and see a family healed, and that's like one of the most beautiful things ever. Mm-hmm. It's the most painful, yeah. but it's the most beautiful. Yeah, and it's that service to others. You said doing the work. Is, is everything. It's everything in your whole life. Yeah. Even if you're not serving God, if you're just serving humanity, it's the most amazing thing yeah. in the world. 
Yeah. And I found that I have a friend of mine that helps people in recovery who's uh, a yoga master. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> He's like really like sought after. Like people have him go around the country. Yeah. Teaching yoga yeah. and stuff. And he works with a lot of uh, NFL players and stuff that try to help other people with recovery too. And uh, no matter what, it wasn't going to tell you, it's the service they do for others. Yeah. Self-sacrifices. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's funny as, as you're saying that is that, um, and we've used the word often, even you've used the word several times already, but I think it's the word grace and um, mm-hmm. grace, you know, according to the Bible is, is, is what Jesus or uh, God actually through his son extended to us. And that's this idea of this unmerited favor. It's something that we didn't even deserve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we all deserve death, but Jesus took that upon himself it's and and when we start to really look at that, what that means, and what you've said in the servant-heartedness of us as humans, is that we're to extend be extenders of his grace, yeah. which means that I gotta give it to people whether they deserve it or not. And that and and we always determine who deserves our grace and who doesn't, right? But what yeah. we're to do is we're to we're to give it to people. It, it, it irrelevant of what I might think or feel they deserve. Right. I, yeah. cause I was given it and I didn't deserve it. Mm. And so, you, uh, you know, again, that's, that is the power of a foundation built in Christ. Yeah. Is that, that understanding. And so honestly, I thank you so much, brother, uh, for the opportunity to, to share this story. Um, and, you know, again, I again, I, I am just completely encouraged by this. And I know that everybody that's going to listen to this is going to be encouraged too. So thank you again for sharing with us. And I really appreciate it, bro. Thank you guys for what you're doing, man. Keep no, no. And, yeah. and again, I didn't say this earlier, but thank you, Manny, honestly, for your service to our country too, because yeah. that is a big deal, bro. And I remember one of my favorite photos, and I still have a picture of it. It's somewhere here in my office, actually, is you and the chopper circling over. There's that one of you and the chopper. <laughs> So hanging out, hanging out the helicopter. Yeah, over. yeah, that's a really good one. It was. <laughs> it was a great photo, man. So thank, thank you again, man. I love you. And, love you guys. Uh, be yeah, blessed. You, man. All right. God bless. Take care. Right thank you.